0: Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is David Coleman, the president of MISMO, the Mortgage Industry Standards Maintenance Organization, which is a subsidiary of the NBA. He's also a 25-year veteran of the mortgage industry, including a long stint at Fannie Mae, where he served as vice president for single-family technology. We're going to talk about the evolution of mortgage tech and the potential for data standards to continue to transform the industry. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you here. You know, you and I were just on a mortgage innovation roundtable that the California uh, MBA sponsored, and it was such an interesting conversation. And I wanted to have you on this podcast to kind of give a a wider audience, um, you know, let them hear some of the things that you had to say there. So before we get too far into that, I want to start with, uh, give us a little bit about your background. You have done a lot of different roles, it's, it's one of the things I think is so interesting and gives you a different perspective is that you've had all these different um, ways of looking at the industry. So first of all, how did you get into the industry?
1: <laughs> purely, purely by accident. <laughs> so I, um, it's interesting. I, was, uh, I had gotten out of college. I worked as a, a stockbroker for a number of years and uh, realized I was a bit too honest for that business. So um, started looking around for for another position and found a a an entry level management trainee job with a company called Fannie Mae that uh, I had to go look them up and and figure out what they did before I went in for my for my interviews and whatnot. Um, so I ended up with Fannie Mae and uh, spent 22 years there. Um, uh, moved into a vice president position, ran the group that. Uh, Built and rolled out desktop underwriter to the industry. Um, and then when I left there, I, uh, uh, went to work for KPMG for a, num- for a number of years as a managing director in financial services group focused on, on mortgage. And then in between, I've had my, my own company or worked as an independent a couple of, a couple of different times, uh, all primary market, all mortgage. Um, it's funny when I left Fannie Mae, I was, uh, talking to someone I respect a lot about, um, he's like, what are you going to do next? And I said, I don't know. I'm thinking like maybe healthcare or something. And he, he laughed and looked at me and said, I don't think so. You've got over 20 years in mortgage. You're not going anywhere. And sure enough, I've been, uh, I haven't been. gone anywhere. I'm still in mortgage and uh, can't ever see myself going anywhere else, to be totally honest.
0: You know, I feel like that is a, um, that's a condition many people have and uh, me as well. Right. Like once you get in, it's like, it's hard to get out. Plus, you know, all that expertise, you know, you'd have to start over somewhere else. Whereas, you know, this is what you've built upon. I had a question when you were working on desktop underwriter, did you kind of, even at the time, understand that this was going to be a game changer? Like what a big difference that was going to make in the industry?
1: You know, not to the extent that it was right. Um, so, at the point in time, there's a there's a couple of you know generations that we went through. I think when we started off, it was it was really thinking about it as a desktop app because everybody was thinking about desktop apps at the time. and um you know as as I kind of found my way around the industry talking to people, I realized that being a desktop app was really not where desktop underwriter needed to be that it actually Uh, was part of the overall process, in many ways, dictated the process. And so for for that purpose, started working with, um, came back and pulled together a team and said, uh, okay, we need to develop a transaction to be read or written by any platform, any operating system. And they looked at me like I was, uh, they're like, what are you smoking today? (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. We need to be able to integrate with loan origination systems and other platforms. Um, that, you know, bring DU into the overall process. And at that point in time, it was really, you know, it was keeping track to on penetration. And, um, it, it, it was, you know, you've heard the old notion about hockey stick adoption. Um, you know, clearly was that it was, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that were kind of suspect going, oh, it's the latest flavor of the day and, you know, it'll be gone next year. And, you know, I think that the value was such at that point in time that it that it totally changed the way we thought about originating mortgages. So it pushed the the I, I you know of course I'll put on my fanny hat for a minute and said cha- and said I was going to say it changed the uh, the decision, but it's really a recommendation that comes out of DU and pushed up the point of sale so that you know a loan officer could sit down with a with a borrower you know gather information and say yeah, you're, uh, you know, assuming the rest of the documentation comes out, you're you're qualified, so let's move forwards. And I think that that was the real game changer is to getting that automation up to point of sale. And, um, you know, it really did. it. Uh, at one point in time, there was something, um, there used to be a fellow that did the Mortex study, and he said that, um, you know, at one point in time, you know, almost 95% of all loans were going through desktop underwriter, whether they were being sold of anime or not. And I was, uh, I was like, wow, that is, that's real penetration. So that yeah.
0: really is. And it's just such a game changer. I think in the way that people thought about it to your point, when, you know, when you said, Oh, we've got to integrate with all that at that time, that was just, you know, foreign thinking. Now we all, you know, we all think, Oh, APIs, of course we should all, you know, be integrated. But at the time it was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah.
1: I know when I went out and looked at the, the first LOS is because we were transitioning from that point in time from mainframe over to AS400 and PCs were just, you know, penetrating the industry. And uh, that, that of course was the future for the, for the LOS. But at the same time, I'd sit down and look at it and go, well, these are like glorified word processors that, you know, structure the text and print them out on forms. And to think about that as data that could be reused was a big jump. And, you know, so I spent a lot of time working with um, LOS providers to start thinking about this information as data, structured data that could be reused throughout the process. And so that was really kind of the first big step towards, um, you know, getting the technology and automation into the industry, I believe.
0: So interesting. Well, so let's see. Standardization structure, not really a surprise then that you ended up at Mismo. But um,
1: how about that? <laughs> some things are a
0: through line, right, in your life. But you know, tell me what was appealing about that for you?
1: How about joining Mismo, yeah. I you know, it's it's for me. I, I tell people it's kind of coming full circle for me because um, I had always, even when I was at Fannie, and then later on when KPMG ran my business, I was. I was plugged in with the MBA because, um, you know, the the MBA provides advocacy for the industry. Um, And then, you know, I was involved in groups that predated MISMA. There was uh, start off with EDI X-12 committees. Um, Interestingly enough, there's still a few X-12 transactions floating around the industry from those days. Um, But so I I was highly engaged in that. And obviously, when I was rolling out customer facing technology with desktop underwriter, became you know important to be engaged with the other providers in the industry and the, the LOS providers and lenders and whatnot. Um, so, you know, that, that kept me always plugged in. And then when this, this opportunity came around, I was like, wow, I get to kind of, you know, step into the other side of, of the market, so to say, and kind of give something back to the industry and, uh, you know, really leverage my experience in, you know, in, in looking at how we can, uh, can help the industry moving forwards to next generations, because, you know, from a MISMO standpoint, I mean, we're, yes, we're data standards, but we're also enablers and we're, you know, we're also looking at how things can be, you know, can be, can work together. Right. And uh, you go through it and we're becoming more and more a, a forum for uh exchange of ideas as well. So, you know, as technology continues to evolve and, you know, we're, we're there as the, uh, you know, the common platform for the industry to come together and and kind of decide what to do.
0: What do you think the biggest misunderstanding or myth about MISMO is, or what do you wish that the industry understood about MISMO that they don't?
1: I think the first thing, and and it's not, and and when I say the industry, you know, I I know someone's going to go, well, I already knew that, but, you know, um, yeah, so it, it, it really is a diverse industry as far as, you know, involvement with MISMO and knowledge of MISMO and whatnot. But, you know, there's there's a few things that I say that, you know, I am 100% confident of. And, and the first one being is there's not a mortgage today that gets originated that doesn't leverage some aspect of MISMO. And so, you know, number one, to to think that, oh, I, I don't use MISMO. I don't get touched by MISMO. It's, well, if you originate a mortgage, guess what? Um, you are definitely leveraging, you know, many many years worth the work that's has been put in to uh, develop.
0: And what what's an example of that? Tell me, tell me, what's an example? Uh, of that.
1: The loan look no further than one loan application. I mean, that was the first transaction was, you know, getting the data from a loan application, and then you had other transactions that were just using that same loan application. Why? Because it had structured data that was available that they could be using for. You know, whether it's, you know, getting mortgage insurance or requesting credit or you name it. I mean, it's the same structured data and they they had the reliability of it it plugging in.
0: I love that. You know, uh, I feel like one of the things we talked about at the Innovation Roundtable was appraisals. And the fact that, you know, um, the government is looking to make that process much more standardized so that we can get more standardized data from there. What do you feel like the, you know, that, that's been a pain point for some people, but obviously there's, there's huge opportunity there. When you think about having a more, um, you know, standardized set of data to, to work with on properties, what, what do you think?
1: Um, Wow, I'm gonna you're asking me to tiptoe into some hazardous waters right now. So, um, because anyone that's plugged in is well aware that there is this this conflict underway right now between you know getting a full appraisal for every single transaction because it provides you know safety and wherewithal and validation and stuff versus you know we'll call them desktop or AVMs um, you know in the value that they provide and. So, you know, I do think that MISMO is in a perfect position to do a couple of things is, you know, first first thing is make sure that the data that we do decide to collect around appraisals is common so that, you know, when I send you a transaction, an appraisal transaction, you've already got it mapped and you can add it to your system and you can apply you know, whatever rules to it, or if you want to put it on a piece of paper and call it a form that's great or whatever, it's standardized, but at the same time, provide a forum to have open discussions around, you know, between, you know, appraisers, appraisal management companies, lenders, technologists, the whole deal to say, you know, kind of what does this continuum look like? Because, um, you know, I think there's some that will, will argue that you don't need an appraisal in every property. Um, or that something less than a full appraisal is, is totally adequate based upon, you know, the valuation or the risk or the last time somebody looked at the property or amount of information that Google's got on it (laughs) as as an example. Um, so, you know, so I I see us providing kind of the data standards, but also the process standards and then, you know, kind of a forum for discussing kind of what, you know, who's going to use what, when, and how they're going to use it type of thing.
0: Yeah, I think there's so much um, their potential wise, and you know the different people I've talked to have said that you know even the new options, most of those are going to cannibalize what have been appraisal waivers. They're not going to um, have you know this sweeping effect on on whether a full appraisal is done. At, the, at least at this time, right? Because mm-hmm. still right now, you know, with, uh, and we talked about this in the roundtable, the fact that lenders don't know who they're selling the loan to when they start, um, you know, they're like, well, I know that, you know, Fannie and Freddie are okay with this, but what about other investors? So, um, right. you know, the flight to safety there is like, oh, I just do a full appraisal on everything so that I know I don't have to redo it later. So it's going kind to of be yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. And the key thing is what's what's the value of that appraisal on the transaction. So and and you know only only people taking the risk can actually say that so you know you hesitate to put put the words in their mouth or tell them what they should or shouldn't be doing but um, just recognize you know we've got an evolution you know we're we're evolving as it re, as it's related to you know valuation and appraisals and whatnot.
0: Let's talk about uh, the larger evolution you know in tech that's not just you know in our industry but obviously affecting our industry with both AI and machine learning, which have been around for a while, uh, you know, but what people think of as AI has definitely changed in the last year, just kind of, you know, as they get uh, more hands-on, maybe individual um, experiences with it, right? Through ChatGPT GPT or whatever it might be, but it's been around for a while. Um, what do you think from your perspective, looking at our industry with AI and ML, where are we compared to other industries and, and what do you think we're doing well there?
1: Uh, so that's a that's a good question. I mean, because you know clearly AI, there's there's a lot of interest in AI and machine learning, um, and there are different ways to use machine learning and AI. Um, I think I think from an industry standpoint, we've got you know over in the corners, we've got people that have have been working in the space for quite a while. We've got others that are new entrants, but I think as an as an industry. Um, you know, there's, here's a couple of things that we need to be thinking about first. And, you know, first thing is the vocabulary because, um, you know, you can go ask different people the same question related to AI and chances are you're going to get a different answer every time because, you know, people don't, you know, don't know what they don't know, I guess, or they haven't been exposed to the variations um, and it, re, you know, it also goes for machine learning and the definitions of machine learning and how it's used. You've got, you know, you've got machine learning that learns as you know as transactions are coming in. You've got machine learning that mines data and goes and hits large stores of data and comes up with uh, you know different different views of it, whether it's rank ordered or whatever. Um, but you know, these are areas where um, clearly, if you want to. Describe AI as being a business rule system, which some people would. Um, that goes all the way back to the mid 90s um, You know, if you want to talk about machine learning, well, a lot of the you know statistical evidence that was put together to allow the creation of automated underwriting was you know a an, an old manual style of machine learning, for lack of a better term, it wasn't dynamic, it wasn't real time. Um, so. Yeah, you know, we've evolved and it's, uh, you know, we've got got expertise in different corners. And I think that based on my experiences, we have not seen as much discussion as we have in the last six months. And, um, you know, there's a call for we're actually going to be looking at uh, as part of the upcoming MISMO Summit in September to carve out at least a day for some in-depth conversations around AI and what is important to the industry and what they need out of it. And, you know, where the guardrails should be at and where the fears are that, um, you know, that you, you've got coming out on both sides of the equation.
0: I think that's so interesting like as as a consumer of technology on the consumer side or even the business side it's not clear to me I know what the difference is in theory between AI and ML but if I'm using some application or if I'm interfacing with something it's not like I can tell oh this is ML and this is AI and I would be able to tell you what that looks like and really I just care about like does it work is it fair does it make it better is it more efficient that kind of thing
1: yeah, no, I think the the thing that most people come in contact with, first of all, are these these little chat bots that sit uh, sit on all the websites. And you know, I think uh, you know, you can if you go if you go mess with them, you can find the you know, that there are limit there are limitations, <laughs> and uh, you know they'll 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 get to a point where it's like, oh, we need to have you talk to a real person or you know whatnot. So that's that's the first exposure. But then you know, you've got some of the ones that are getting pretty you know like the you know the the chat gpt is like one where it's like you know you can get into some fairly deep um types of, of questions that it'll come back and give you a lot of good good information i think the key thing is you have to also if you look at the bottom they all have disclaimers going like if you ask it a medical question it comes back cuz i'm not a doctor but <laughs> you know or if you ask it you know to pick a stock for you cuz i'm not a financial analyst but um, so they, they are still kind of caveating, you know, the knowledge because it's only based on the amount of data they can get to and, and put together all at once. But, uh, you know, I think from an industry standpoint, we're going to find that there are other ways to use it with you put the appropriate guardrails on it and, you know, use it to, say, monitor someone filling out a loan application online and knowing that based upon what they've put in this field, they probably need to put something in this other field over here. Or that they've got two fields that don't really make sense, like, going. you couldn't have been working at McDonald's and overseas at blah, blah, blah on the same date, you know. And, you know, it's a step beyond edits, right? It's a a smart way to look at what's going on. So I, I, I see where there are things that may be, you know, closer, you know, closer versus far away as to what we can do with the technology that we have today.
0: You know, one of the stereotypes of um, some of the uh, tech solutions that we have in mortgage or housing in general, and, um, you know, if you read the founders, like the origin story of the tech, it's like, I tried to, you know, I I applied for a mortgage, I felt like it was an inefficient process, I realized I could make the process so much better. Or um, sometimes they even go so far as to be like, this was so antiquated and no one's doing anything and, you know, and then they get into it and they realize it's harder than it looks. Um, And there's actually been a lot of tech innovation the whole time over the last, you know, 20 years, just like other, other areas, they just may not, it may not be obvious to the person who is, you know, filling out the application when, when you look at it. And I mean, here you are one of the, you know, somebody who worked on some of the most important tech when, when you look at it, what part of the process, has been least te- touched by technology or, or might still have a lot more innovation to go in your opinion.
1: Hmm. Let me answer that question a different way around. Um, and that is, I will there, I, I can show you today that all the technology that you need to fully automate the mortgage process from origination through closing exists today for a majority of mortgages. So what that's saying is that, you know, I can go in, do an app and it will fire off whatever is needed from, ver- from validation, verification, transactions, build all the transactions it needs, run it through, you know, pretty much position it for, you know, for closing um, in an automated fashion for you know, probably 70%, you know, I'll throw that number out there of all mortgages. Now, the problem that you run into is not so much the technology as the people that run the mortgage company or the mortgage office or the origination facility or whatever, because they are looking for silver bullets and hundred percent solutions. And we have never had, and I would guess that we will never have a hundred percent solution. That's going to take care of everybody. So there has to be this recognition that that is the case. And that they're willing to go invest in what I call a bifurcated process line where you've you, you interrogated up front and you're able to run, you know, your, your what I call a straight through mortgage all the way through the process on automated fashion for some percentage of, of your loans. And then recognizing that you need to upfront or anywhere within the automated process, be able to kick it to a human being that the technology is not quite ready to respond to. Um, but... You know, I think the problem is that while the technology is there, um, the adoption cycle is probably not up to speed with where it needs to be at. So you know, I kind of challenge the industry to look, start thinking about um, when they answer questions instead of saying, oh, well, let's hire three more people and fill out one more form to start looking at it going, gee, that's, how, how can we automate that? How can we plug that into our existing process today. So that, that's the challenge I kind of throw out.
0: I think there's also, you know, uh, adoption is just so key. We talked about that at the Innovators uh, Conference that like you can have the best tech available in the world. You can you can have all of it there. Um, if your top producers don't use it, you're kind of stuck, Um, which I thought it was just so interesting. We had such an interesting conversation of people going, I didn't know that was an option, (laughs) right? Like, if you're (laughs) a fanny, if you're in the, you know, if you're in the military, if you're the, I mean, there's lots of places where like, you don't get that kind of option. But um, when you're running a mortgage company and you, you know, those those top LOs are sort of like, you know, the top salespeople, they get to kind of run things. It obviously depends on the company. Some are structured that way more than others. Was that surprising to you?
1: no not at all i mean it's uh, you know it, it's half as bad as as the yellow i mean because all do business the way they want to do business right so they're the rainmakers. they're bringing the people in the door if they feel like writing it on a yellow pad and handing it to a processor to have it put it to the system that's what they're going to do and and you know as a as a competitive lender chances are you're you're not going to stop them from doing that if they're bringing the business in the door um but I think that they're missing an opportunity because if you are using the right technology, and I think just back to your AI questions, I think it may make it easier for LOs to uh, to do a, an interview session with someone and have it, you know, populating, you know, everything that needs to from a, from an app, put it in the right places. Um, so then all they have to do is flip it around and, and walk through it and they're done. And, you um, know. That, that could entice some of them to move to the technology. But, you know, there's others that are, are you know, they love the technology because I put it in and they're able to tell a borrower, okay, you know, absent anything else, you're approved. Good to, you know, <laughs> good doing business with you. And it, and it stops them from going out to shop around because they know they're locked down and, you know, life's good. And so that's the big thing is they want, you know, a borrower wants comfort. They want a good deal, reasonable deal, and they want comfort of knowing that it's going to close.
0: That 's so important, and I think that um everything in some ways should be about around efficiency and around what what helps the borrower right because if you have those two things it 's helping the borrower and it's helping the lender stay in business or you know whoever it is not just lenders right um, and and that 's really the goal well, give me your uh, give me your pitch why should people be more involved in mismo right so you know this is a an organization that serves the industry. What, from your perspective, should people do more than they do?
1: Um, for, you know, first thing is, is MISMO is a forum, and it's a, it's a community of um, individuals that come together from the industry to, to exchange ideas and to learn. Um, as, as an example, we had our spring summit, and we had uh, over 310 attendees, which, from a conference standpoint, is, is, is a pretty, pretty good a- attendance level. Um, but within that, we had, um, we had representatives from all of the major federal agencies. So you're looking at VA, FHFA, HUD, FHA, AG. Um, you had attendance from the state regulators. You had attendance from all of the, uh, not all, but most of the flubs. Um, you had, you know, over 25 lenders in attendance, um, you know, I know I'm missing missing more to generalize within that that group, but you know, first of all, you, you do step into a community where you've got instant access to, you know, a whole host of, of people that are that are smart and know a lot of things. Um and because it is a community, um, everybody takes off their competitive hat when they walk in the door and they're there to solve the problems of the industry. And you know, I've yet to know anybody that's from BISMO that I I reach out to. And they're not willing to take, you know, they'll take my call, they'll share information, they'll work with me on solving a problem. And it's, it's the same way, not just me, but, you know, across all of the participants there. So, you know, it, you do get that, that you don't get anywhere else. The second thing is you get access with the summit, you get access to, um, you know, the, the key minds within the industry. Like we had a panel session that had uh, someone from FICO, someone from VanishCore, score um, someone from FHFA and the GSEs talking about credit scores. It's like you don't find a, an intimate panel like that anywhere else that I know of that, that kind of covers it all. You see one here, one there, one over there, but you don't see them all together. Uh, so you do get access to you know, to information on a regular basis. Um, third thing is within that, um, you get to influence the industry and you, you get to identify what the priorities are, what's important to you, um, help to shape uh, shape data and requirements, help to shape processes, um, and, you know, also put together feedback that goes back to, you know, those that are that are putting it out. So, it's a good forum to get the word back to, to Fannie and Freddie and to the, you know, to the federal agencies. Um, and then last, is, uh, it's an educational forum as well. So, I mean, you know, you don't just you know. We've got groups, we've got communities of practice, we got work groups that you know look at setting standards, putting things together for the industry. But we also have a boot camp, and we also have you know educational you know pods that provide educational various topics across the industry. So you know, you, you do have that as a, as kind of a central location. I've got um, an example. I've got got one of the states, a very large state, that uh, is sending a lot of their the members of their regulatory function to boot camp at Mismo, so they can get up to speed on what's going on in the industry, so that they can serve their clients better. So it's uh, you know it's it's interesting how it all comes together. So I think it, it it's you know it's one of those types of things that you know all players in the industry should should look at having a um, representative at the Mismo Summits and should be a member of, member of Mismo to participate in all these things.
0: Given all that, David, um, how can people get more involved?
1: Um, I tell you what, first step is to, to go out and visit our website, which is MISMO.org. Um, you know, that's where you can join MISMO. You can become, we have uh, different levels of uh, support for MISMO. We call them champions. And with uh, the champ, different champion levels, you'll, you'll get different, different levels of access as well as uh, publicity in our functions with signage and website and whatnot. Uh, Also talks about sponsorships, so if there's topics that you would like to sponsor, um, those are available. But, you know, I think if you're still kind of trying to figure it all out, the best thing to do is come to Washington, D.C., September 18th through 21st of this year and join the uh, the MISMO Summit where you'll get a chance to experience everything. Uh, We have, uh, you know, we have pretty good lineup that will be available. You'll be able to see the lineup on the website mid-July. Um, but you know, that, that would be the best place. I'd love to see you there. Um, if there's anything I can do for you, um, in the meantime, please feel free to reach out to me as well. And, I'm, uh, can I give my email address?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. Uh, please drop me a note. I'm at, uh, dcoleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N at mba.org. And I'd be happy to, to share even more with you. So it's been, been great, to, to be here this afternoon. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me.
0: David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, getting on and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.